he was uh, laid in a manger, and just all that is recorded in the New Testament about the first coming and the incarnation of Christ, it is extremely unique. There really is no other religion in the world that has anything close to a belief like that. And it's not something that just happened off the cuff. It's not something that God just uh, came up with in the moment. It is something that God had planned all along as we have prophecies in the Old Testament that tell us that a child is going to be born. And we're going to read one of those prophecies today. We're going to read in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, we're going to read a couple of verses. These are going to be some pretty familiar verses to you today. I think that we probably read these verses and talk about the content of these verses at some point pretty much every Christmas, whether we sing them in a song or we read them in between songs or whether uh, we have a, a, a life group lesson or a sermon about them. These are some very common verses that prophesy the coming uh, of Christ. And this prophecy was given to the people during an extremely dark time in their life. This is prophecy that we're going to read today uh, about Jesus was given to Judah, the people of Israel, as they were really uh, they were really on the brink of extinction. They had an Assyrian army that had marched up to their gates, and uh, they were about to be obliterated. And it's in that context that we see these wonderful promises that we're probably very familiar with from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and through verse 7. And so just as a way of a giving attention and honor to God's Word, I just want to ask you to stand with me as we read two very short uh, but very powerful verses of Scripture uh, from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Pray with me. Father, today I ask that you would just encourage your people. Lord, in these dark days, Lord, I don't know if there's too many days that we spend on the face of this earth where there's not darkness around us, or where we don't see darkness in others. But God, I thank you, Lord, for the message of hope that you gave to your people back then during such a dark time. I thank you, Lord, for the message of hope that you have repeated uh, on the earth whenever Jesus was born. And I thank you for the message of hope that we will hear today. God, I pray that your people would leave here encouraged, and I pray that you would fill them with your goodness today. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, I really can't think of anything darker and gloomier than an impending Assyrian army that is descending upon God's people. That's the context in which we read these verses. It's likely that you've read these verses around Christmas time and uh, we've put them up on a screen and we read them in between songs or we have somehow referenced them or put them on a mantle or something and decorated our house and we only see the joy that these words are meant to give. It's likely that we've never really truly understood the context in which they were given. And God's people had split into two kingdoms. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, 
God's people had split into two kingdoms and idolatry was just all over them. The northern kingdom were 10 tribes of Israel and they never could overcome their idolatry. They just couldn't shake it. 10, tri 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel uh, were in this northern kingdom. And because of their idolatry, uh, God sent a marauding army of Assyrians and uh, conquered them uh, in 732 BC. The Assyrians were among the most brutal of enemies, even by ancient standards. They were absolutely cruel and horrible to the people that they conquered. And they conquered the northern kingdom of Israel and they carried them off into foreign lands and those 10 tribes of Israel have not been seen since. And you only had the southern kingdom that was left. You had two tribes of Israel that were left. They formed the southern kingdom of Judah in which Jerusalem was, uh, and Jerusalem was, at, uh, was the capital city at the time. And this army of Assyria, over the course of the next 30 years, they would conquer the whole known world. They would defeat the most powerful armies at the time. They would defeat all of the fortified cities of Jerusalem. And literally the only thing left was Jerusalem. I, I meant to say all the fortified cities of Judah. And Jerusalem was the only city left. This very brutal, this very, very horrible army had conquered everyone in the known world. Everyone except Jerusalem. Not only can you read about that in the Old Testament history, but you can also read about that in secular history. They marched right up to the gates. They mocked the people of Jerusalem for trusting in their God for deliverance. And it is in this dark and gloomy context that we have these beautiful verses of promise that God had given to them. In fact, if we were to back up to the verses before that, in verses 2, uh, God gives these promises. He says, for the people who walked in darkness. He says, they had seen a great light. He says, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. I want you to imagine with me that you are living in Jerusalem at the time and this horrible, powerful Assyrian army who had brought darkness all over the whole world was now standing at your gates and mocking you and mocking your God. And God sends the prophet Isaiah with words like this, words that say, you've multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with joy as at the harvest. They are as glad when they divide the spoil. And he goes on to give more uh, words of hope when he says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as in the days of Midian. By the way, the days of Midian is a reference to whenever God defeated a mighty, a mighty army with only 300 soldiers. And then he says, look at this. In a time of war, this is what God says. He says, for every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as with fuel for the fire. God gives this message of hope to his people in the Old Testament as they were on the brink of discussion. Or, or, excuse me, they were on, on the brink of uh, 
of destruction. And what is this promise of victory? Where is this joy going to come from, this celebration? How is this darkness going to become light and the sadness to joy? Who will bring this victory? And this is where the Messiah is promised. A baby boy? A baby? A son is given? That's the, that's the, that's the promise of, of victory during this dark hour as this Assyrian army has descended upon the city, I, hear, I, I tell you today that God still gives messages of hope to his people in dark days. And we know that this promise right here was not just a promise for God's people who, by the way, just to give you the end of the story so you don't have to go look it up later, um, God did deliver his people from that Assyrian army, a great miracle that they had defeated everybody else, but they weren't able to, uh, to defeat Jerusalem. This promise of deliverance was not just for them. It foreshadowed something so much bigger. And it's interesting to me that all of the promises of God's blessings in the Old Testament, it's, it's interesting to me that they come through this message of, uh, of a son that is going to be given, or somehow that through God's offspring that blessings are going to come to God's people. Remember Eve in the garden? You remember what happened to them? And you remember how God's wrath was upon them because of the disobedience in their heart and, and uh, because of the disobedience of, of what happened with them? And what did God tell Eve? God told Eve, he said, your offspring is going to bruise his heel. And we see that, that promise through that offspring. We see this foreshadowing of Christ. We see the same thing in Genesis whenever we get to a guy named Abraham and God told Abram, he said, through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. And he promised Abraham a son and God gave him, a, God ended up giving him a son through whom all nations would be blessed. I, I, I think about David and the promises, the covenant that God gave to David and God said, you're, you're, you will always have a son on the throne. All of these promises of offspring, all of these promises of a son that is going to be given where God's blessing would come to his people is always a foreshadowing of Christ. And that's what we see here. This promise of a son says to us, a son is given. God's making this promise to his people who had been covered up in idolatry. But I tell you today that God also gives this promise of a son of blessing to a dark world that doesn't deserve it, and even to us as our lives have been broken by sin. This is a promise of a coming Christ. Certainly whenever Luke writes in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, when he says, unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, certainly Luke had in his mind the words of Isaiah during these dark days of God's people. And I don't know about you, but I still experience dark days. I may not have uh, an army outside my house, but we, we still have dark days. And God still gives messages of hope to us. Just like ancient Israel, all mankind lives under the weight and the threat of God's wrath. 
We have been given his requirements and we failed just like the people of Israel and the people of Judah did back then. But God still gives us messages of hope. As individuals, we experience these dark days. As sin comes into our life and invades us just like a brutal Assyrian army. And we deserve it. We know that the Bible says that, that, that uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. But God still gives us a message of hope during these days. This is what Christmas is all about. We look for deliverance in all these situations and we look to all different peoples to help us. But that's the promise of Christ as our light that has come into the world through this baby that was born of a virgin, where we find rescue, where we find redemption, and where we find joy. Who, who do you look for as your Messiah in your dark days? I don't know, I don't know what you might be going through. I, I made reference to possibly a couple of things in my prayer earlier in the worship service. I don't know what might be happening in your life, a, a loss of a loved one, a divorce, an addiction, a bad diagnosis, a, a wayward child. I, I, I don't know what kind of burdens and what kind of darkness that you might be experiencing in your life. And isn't it so easy to look for worldly solutions rather than to the promised Messiah that God has given? And this is not just some useless platitude by which we try to comfort ourselves, We believe that Jesus can make himself so incredibly real to us during dark times. If he can deliver his people in the Old Testament from a marauding Assyrian army, certainly he can rescue you from whatever darkness might be in your light and can help you and walk with you through these dark days. Because the Bible gives us a great description of Christ as the Messiah is described in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says the government will be upon his shoulder. This doesn't necessarily mean that the government is going to persecute Christ, although we do know that ultimately he was executed by the Romans. I really see this, the government will be upon his shoulder I really, I really understand this to mean that he is going to shoulder our burdens, that he is going to be there with us to govern us during these dark days and during our hard times. And in this quartet of names that we see that is mentioned about who Christ is and what he provides for us, uh, this quartet of names I think gives us great comfort in what God can provide for us. How would you like to have a wonderful counselor when you're experiencing dark days in this world. I don't know about you, but there's something comforting about the right person saying the right thing at the right time whenever I'm experiencing hardship and pain. And there's certain people in this world that seem to have the ability to do that. There are certain human beings that I know that seem to, that seem to know how to give words of comfort. But the Bible says that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And I'll tell you what, his counsel is absolutely infallible. There is nothing that Jesus will tell you to do that will ever steer you wrong. 
it seems that even the wisest of human counselors, even people that have maybe even the wisdom of Solomon, can sometimes give counsel. It might sound good, but sometimes it can be fallible. What Jesus tells us to do during those dark moments of the soul, his counsel is absolutely perfect. His counsel is absolutely infallible. Who do you want to be with you during your dark days? A wonderful counselor? How about a mighty God? How about someone who is powerful to do anything that is needed in your life? Just like he was there for ancient uh, Judah and delivered them from the hand of the Assyrians, we have a mighty God that can stand with us at our side and be with us during those dark days. by the way, just kind of as an aside, uh, some people don't believe that Jesus was God, but scriptures like this and others certainly prove that Jesus was God, that he was God in the flesh. Um, so that's just kind of an important, port, uh, important part of that. But who else would you want to be with you during your dark days? How about an everlasting father? I mean, we could look at each one of these titles that are mentioned about Jesus and find so much comfort whenever bad, dark days are upon us. You see, Jesus has made us family. He has adopted us into his family. He has promised to never leave us. He's promised to never forsake us. And he's promised to give us peace. In fact, Scripture says that he is the Prince of Peace, that he offers the type of peace that we can't find anywhere else. I want you to imagine again that you live in ancient Judah and you are in Jerusalem and you have the most powerful, most brutal army in the world right outside of your gates and you have God's prophet giving you a promise of deliverance during a time of war and saying that God is going to give a Messiah that is the Prince of Peace. This is what Jesus can provide for us, peace, even during the most difficult of times. Now, the, the, the circumstance might not change, but Christ can give us the internal peace. You know, whenever I look at these titles, and when I think about dark days, and when I think about hard times, I get encouraged by these things. And then these last verses that we're gonna look at today talk about the Messiah's kingdom. Isaiah chapter 9, particularly uh, in verse 7 and following. Talk about his government. Talk about his administration, if you will. Saying that it will be a government of peace. That there will be no end. It says that he will sit on the throne of David and will be over his kingdom. And that it will last forevermore. That his kingdom will never end. These verses, by the way, are quoted in Luke. As the angel Gabriel spoke these, pretty much these exact words, the angel Gabriel spoke almost these exact words to the Virgin Mary when she discovered that she was pregnant with Jesus. I think she was probably having a dark day at that time. She found herself to be with child outside of marriage, and she found that maybe her husband thought to put her away privately so as not to disgrace her, and she was very young. Can you imagine how she was feeling during that dark day? Can you imagine what might have been going on in her heart? And then she had a message of hope that was given to her, 
And she had an angel appear to her and quote a Bible verse from the Old Testament that was a promise of God's deliverance from the most mighty army, one of the mightiest armies that the ancient world had ever seen. Can you imagine how encouraging this was to her? And I'll tell you, there's more to come. There's more hope to come. Do you know that Jesus has a kingdom and that that kingdom is real? And it's not just a kingdom that we read about in the past. It's not just something that we read about in the Old Testament. Not just something that we celebrate that happened 2,000 years ago. Christmas that we don't, at Christmas time, we don't celebrate the end of Christ's kingdom. We celebrate the inauguration of Christ's kingdom. It is not by coincidence that Jesus' favorite topic was the kingdom. The first words of Jesus ever recorded in his preaching ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus talked about the kingdom all throughout his ministry and through all, all throughout his teaching. He told parables about the kingdom. He talked about the kingdom privately to his disciples. And he told them, he said, you know, many prophets and godly men in the Old Testament, they long to know and see what you know and see. He said, but it wasn't given to them yet. It was his favorite topic. And do you know that Jesus' kingdom is still alive today? It's not a kingdom that is in some far off place in heaven where we can't reach it. The Bible clearly teaches us that it is a kingdom that is in the midst of us, that it's all around us, that the kingdom is actually within us, and that in some type of mysterious way, it's unlike an earthly kingdom with borders. It's a kingdom without borders. It's a kingdom where Jesus is ruling, where he is reigning, and it's not, it's not a worldly government. It's not even administered through a worldly government. Worldly governments have no power against it. Worldly governments really have no power to promote it. Worldly governments kind of come and kind of go, but the kingdom and the throne that Jesus occupies will last for all eternity. In fact, Jesus says, or, or excuse me, the Bible says here in these verses that um, that it will increase. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So if when Jesus came and lived on the earth and inaugurated his kingdom, the Bible says that it has been increasing. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Has your, has your, uh, have your eyes been opened? Have your ears been unstopped to see the kingdom of God? Jesus says, unless you've been born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God. And if you're like me, sometimes you might become distracted to where all you can see around you are the kingdoms of man and the institutions of man and the systems of this world. Listen to me, friend. Would you, would you pray for God to open up your eyes to see that the increase of Jesus' kingdom is all around us? 
Would you pray for the darkness of this world to be pulled back like a curtain so that the eyes of your heart could see and understand and perceive that there is the increase of the kingdom? Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. And as a church, we're not an end of ourselves. We're meant to promote the kingdom and serve the kingdom. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting on a throne. He says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, he will be there forevermore. Y'all, this is not talking about the land of Judah. Th these words were given to the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem. But this is talking about so much more. Do you know there's not a king sitting on a throne in Jerusalem right now physically? There is no king there that is sitting on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem presently, right now. You know why? Because Jesus is occupying the throne. The Bible says that he's seated at the right hand of God. And you know what he's doing? He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. You're experiencing a dark day right now. Do you, do, do you know that Jesus is cheering for you? That he is sitting on the throne of David? All the genealogies, by the way, that we see in the Gospels talk about how Jesus occupies the Davidic kingship. And I tell you today that the throne of David is seated on by a Savior, and his name is Jesus, and his kingship is more alive today than it ever has been. Our problem is sometimes we just can't see it, and we just can't perceive it. One day, Jesus is coming back. One day, he will be seated on a throne in Jerusalem. You see, whenever he came the first time, he came quietly. He was born of a virgin, and he was laid in a manger. There was a few, special few, that got the loud announcement. These shepherds, they were out in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. There was no one around. A heavenly chorus of angels announced the birth of Jesus, and they went and found him. There were a few magi, earthly kings, that saw his star and came and, and worshipped. There was just a few people kind of behind the scenes that saw the prophecies and knew what was going on. Mary and Elizabeth. When he came the first time, he came humbly. The Bible says when he comes back again that every eye will see him, that he will come upon the clouds, that the nations will mourn. The Bible even goes so far to say that he will establish a literal kingship for a thousand years. Revelation 20 records it, that he will establish an earthly kingship on this earth, and that he will reestablish himself on, on the planet and the universe that he has created, and that eventually he will defeat Satan, he will defeat all of the demons, that they will be thrown into the lake of fire, and then he will create a new heaven and a new earth, and you and I and all of the saints throughout all of history will be with him forevermore. It will never end. We have a king, a counselor, a God, a prince of peace who will always shoulder our burdens. He will be with us absolutely forever. I think this is a kingdom worth praying for.
I think this is a kingdom worth looking for. Matter of fact, Jesus told us to pray for it. Didn't he, didn't he tell us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. What do you, what do you think Jesus wants us to pray for? He doesn't want us to pray for the first coming. You see, the, his, his first coming has already happened. He wants us to pray for the second coming. He wants us to pray for the consummation of all the prophecies of Scripture. Dream with me for a minute and think about all the prophecies of Scripture that are yet unfulfilled. Everything that God has said that He is going to do. All of the events of Revelation, the second coming, the millennial kingdom, the blessings, the people gathered around His throne. Even, even the bad stuff, the beasts and the bowls and the trumpets, we should be praying for these things. We should be begging God for these things. We should look at prophecies of Scripture like this that have been fulfilled in Christ, but, but still foreshadow more fulfillment in Christ that is yet to come. God told us, He said, Ask of me, and I'll make the nations your inheritance. And the ends of the earth, your possession. Do you want to experience answered prayer? How many of you like to have prayers answered? I love to have my prayers answered. But I, I noticed something. When I have prayers that are just directed towards me, they don't tend to get answered very much. When they're just like me, 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 they don't tend to get answered very much. But there's something about kingdom prayers. There's something about praying, thy kingdom come. There's something about having a heart that yearns for the fulfillment of all that God has promised in Scripture that makes our prayer life absolutely come alive. Do you know there is nothing that will cause the fire of God's Spirit to descend upon us more powerfully than praying for the advancing of the mission and the advancing of the kingdom of God? This Christmas season, would you pray in anticipation for God's kingdom to come? Would you pray and ask God to open your eyes that you might see? To open your eyes that you might see God's kingdom in our midst. I believe that God is ruling and reigning this world. I believe that we have just become so distracted by all the darkness around us. We've become so distracted by all of our own personal problems. We're in dark days, but God has a message of hope. You know, I, I return again to the words that Jesus said. He said, you can't see the kingdom. You can't enter the kingdom unless you've been born again. Have you been born again? Are you a citizen of the kingdom of God, a kingdom without borders? Are, are, are you a citizen of that kingdom? The Bible says that you have to be born again. If you've never been born again, would you ask the Lord to do that? Would you ask the Lord to bring the kingdom of God to bear in your own heart? Would you pray that prayer today and ask Him to do that in your life? And maybe you would say today, I, I'm, I'm already born again. But you know what? I have been so distracted by this world, this dark world. And it seems like I get a little bit of light, and then the darkness comes upon me again. It seems like I just barely get ahead. I have a good day, and then the darkness comes upon me again. 
Maybe you would pray that the Lord would shine His light upon you so deeply and, and, and so powerfully that you would just be able to see past all the darkness in this world and just cling to the kingdom of God as your hope. Because it does not matter what happens in this world. This promise that God has given to us about His kingdom, this promise is assured. You know, we come and we go. Governments rise, governments fall. People are born and then they die. And that's just life. That's just what happens. You know, the, the land of Judah, they were delivered from the Assyrians, but they slipped back into dark days. And the Babylonians came and they finished the job that the Assyrians, um, that the Assyrians weren't able to do. And you know what happened to the kingdom of Babylon? Oh, it's... It's, it's gone now. They were conquered by somebody else. I can't even remember. I go look it up in history. And, and you know who they were conquered by? They were conquered by someone else. And eventually had the Roman Empire. And it lasted a long time. And it's gone now. I mean, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Nations rise and nations fall. There's almost no one on the earth right now who was, who was alive 100 years ago. 100 years from now, none of us will be here. Maybe a baby in the nursery. Maybe. I mean, we're just like grass. We pop up and we're gone. But guess what? The Bible has promised us a kingdom. And that we can be a part of that kingdom forever. This Christmas season, would you pray for God to open your eyes to see the light of the glory of Christ? Let's pray today. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I, I just want to ask you to just to pray a prayer of response today. I, I'm not really sure what might be on your heart, but if you're not born again, if you're not saved today, I hope that maybe these verses that I have explained to you today have helped you see a little bit about Jesus and what Jesus has to offer you. He can govern your life. He can be your wonderful counselor. He can be a mighty God, an everlasting Father. He can bring peace into your life. And if you want that today, would you call upon Jesus to save you? Would you ask him, would you ask him to give you a new heart today? The Bible says that he can do that. And he's done that in my life. He's done that in the life of a lot of people here. And maybe that's what you need today. You just want to ask God for it. But for the rest of us here today who are believers, if you're in a dark day, if you're experiencing some type of darkness like the, like the nation of Judah was as recorded in the Old Testament, and you say, that's where I am today. It's not an Assyrian army, but it is a powerful foe that has come upon me. A sickness, a divorce, a loss of a loved one, an addiction, uh, hard financial times, a loss of a job, an estrangement from a child or from a parent. I'm just experiencing dark, dark days. Would you pray for Jesus, your Messiah, to shine his light upon you and for you to place your hope squarely upon the kingdom to come? Would you pray that?